Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Thank you for letting me know. And thank you for letting me know while Mercury is in retrograde because I have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth or what miscommunications can be construed while the planets are aligned in such a way. Right, Dalton? That's right. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It is May. We're talking fantasy football, but it is beautiful because I am with one of my nearest and dearest, Dalton Del Don. It has been a minute, Triple D. How you been? I'm I'm doing well, Liz. It was great seeing you in person for the first time in years recently in yeah. LA, and now we're back potting. Love it, kids. Uh, no no track season now, but I got a son just finished t-ball and a daughter who's uh, attempting to do softball and, and, and struggling. But uh, yeah, we got to talk our kids. How's yours? Uh, well, we are in actually playoff Little League Baseball right now. Monday was our first playoff game. Now it is double elimination playoffs. Um, I will say that the Boston Red Sox of the farm team um, went into extra innings and lost a heartbreaker by one run. Um, I will say Paxton, though, got on base first at bat, uh, hit a double, which was really good because they had, I don't know, that kid looked 12. The opposing team's pitcher, I seriously looked 12. Everyone else is like eight, nine years old. Pax is on the younger side for this team. He's only eight. Um, But they lost a heartbreaker. He had a clutch play at third that I was really proud of. They will play the gal. Also, I mean, I don't know, Dalton, if um, if your daughter's games are on weekdays, but these kids, like, it's Monday. They went to school all day. They have to be at the field by 445. Game starts at 515 because of the extra innings. Game did not end until 730, 745. And then he had to go home, do some homework, and, like, sh- he was a mess. That, but you know, I think he was also probably a little bit of a mess because it was such a tight game. But how are you managing that schedule? Yeah, it costed me. I'm unable to watch Warriors first half playoff games, having to deal with these mm. kids' games. Yeah, man. And, and sometimes uh, I go one place and the wife has to go another road game. But yeah, I know it's the hustle. It is. Yeah, I know it is. But uh, baseball season's finally winding down. And it's not the most exciting sport, you know, coming from uh, indoor soccer to watch kids just stand around <laughs> and kind of play in the dirt. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, not not quite as exciting as the other sports. But uh, let's talk I, football. I was really invested in this one. I have to say, and you the, did? Oh, oh, yeah, last nice. thing, opposing like coach was like not a great example they of good character really into it. The, for sportsmanship, yes. right? Yes. And he started jawing. There was this whole play where like our pitcher wasn't on the mound when he called time, but he called time, yeah. and so they yes, scored I've... two runs on us. And they, mm-hmm. these are eight year olds. They're like, "What is happening? We called," you know. And so 
the other team was like, points are points. Tell your kids to pay attention. Da, da, da. And then we managed to get that, like, managed to have similar luck fall our way on one run. Um, and one of the opposing coaches jawed at our head coach and was like, what now? I thought, I thought it's not fair. And I, like, stood up and said to the co- I, like, stood up and was like, are you really going to jaw at a coach right now? You got nothing else in your life right now to then to yell at our opposing coach. And he just, like, side-eyed me. And I was like, I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> and then he like walked away. <laughs> and so um, I don't know. I, but I feel like it was it was like a, it was good to say something to the other coach to remind him that he is a 45 year old man and these are eight year olds and to calm down. Yeah, my daughter turned an infield hit into a home run just because she's fast and didn't know what she was doing yes. and just kept running. But and then they sent her back to second base and said there was some rule, too many errors. But I think that's really only on stolen bases. So, yeah, I hear you. The coaches and the parents, they're they're fighting back and forth. And, you know, it's tough for me to just bite my tongue and just remember their kids. Yeah, I, I just let, I mean, I just don't want it out of the coaches. Right. Like The coaches are in a position to be a little bit better. Anyway, I put him in his place. I don't know if I'll be as back to the game on Saturday, but uh, here we are. Anyway, so yes, let's talk football. Let's talk running backs. Speaking of uh, guys that run pretty quickly, with the exception of maybe Kenneth Walker, but I don't know if we're going to talk about him too much. Um, A little bit of news off the top. Oh, okay, this fits. Mike Davis, he signs with the Ravens. That's a crowded backfield, though I'm not particularly worried. Dalton, are you even ranking Mike Davis? Um, yeah, that just did not move the needle at all for me with J.K. Dobbins. They didn't spend a high draft pick on a running back. And no, Mike Davis, after we, we just saw last year when he was giving such an opportunity for the first time in his career. Uh, no, I, maybe I'll throw him in in the 70s or something. But I didn't, I didn't move Dobbins down whatsoever because of this signing. Now, where do you have Dobbins, out of curiosity? I looked before the show, and I have him at, at 22, which is exactly yeah. his ECR. So not a hot take at all. No, I I think I'm actually working on an article. It'll be out today when uh, our listeners are downloading this pod about three rising stars of which one is J.K. Dobbins, all ranked in that RB 20 to 25 space, who could potentially leapfrog three fading brand names all ranked inside the top 12. And uh, I think Dobbins has a chance, if I'm one for wanting it, to leapfrog Christian McCaffrey. That's how in on Dobbins I am. Oh, I can see it. There's a ton of upside and there's, there's an opportunity there. And I think the Ravens are going to really bounce back. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have an awesome rebound performance. So, yeah, I, I would not be surprised at all if, if Dobbins was a you know, top five back this year. I'm worried that that ADP is going to start to rise. The helium is going to follow along come the summer. What about, though, before we talk more um, about the younger guys, Sony Michelle, another vet, old face, new place, signs with the Dolphins. Um You know, he's joining Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds, but he is coming off of at least portions of 2021 where he flashed. Do you think that affects the rest of the backfield at all? Yeah, this is a bummer. I mean, the Miami's upgraded their offensive line, all those weapons at receiver, but the backfield just looks like one of the biggest committees in the league with Edmonds, Mostert, Michelle, and even Gaskin is still there. So this is a tough one. I mean, uh, Mostert is uh, the most upside, but he's also the most likely to get injured in the first quarter of the season. And, and Edmonds would be the safest. And now Michelle is just another body. So it's, uh, it's one of the, the, the tougher situations for fantasy managers, uh, the Miami backfield. Do you have any of these guys ranked inside the top 30? I don't have Edmonds is number 31. So yeah, mm-hmm. no, no, he's your highest ranked yep. dolphins yep. running back. Me too. I have him at 38, but I mean, at that point it's all, it, it sounds like seven spots might be a lot, but I think once you're sub 30, 
it's all kind of the same dart throwing, listening to training camp, see who stays healthy, what is the rapport looking like, does the O-line stay healthy throughout the summer? I think we're all kind of on the same page here. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, Miami is one of the uglier ones in the league, and hopefully, it's not a sign of the of the league going that way and just becoming more and more of these of these committees. But man, we'll talk more about this, and especially in a running back episode. But I'm more and more willing to take receivers early in, in fantasy drafts than I have been in the past. I mean, these running backs are just, ugh, it's 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 not not great after Taylor. I mean, that's why we're having this discussion, and I I'm not even have a ton of conviction. I'm gonna be like, ah, oh, there's a big tier here. I mean, the running back situation is not great. It really isn't. So let's kick it off because I think you're 100% right. There is not a single, even including Jonathan Taylor, top tier running back that doesn't have at least a question mark beyond durability and the regular volatility of the position next to his name. Jonathan Taylor does get a new quarterback. Does the change from Matt Ryan to Carson Wentz move the needle? Not particularly. I think he is still the consensus RB1, but it is still a change. There is no continuity here for any of these guys. Austin Eckler is number two or three in the Yahoo rankings, depending on where you have him. But let's not forget that the Chargers added Isaiah Spiller, who was on all of the scout rankings, the RB3 largely. He was like the guy that came after Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker on most draft Knicks boards. So that's interesting. He's 20 years old. I, I think it's probably an investment more than um, an indictment on Eckler, but still something. And then there's Dalvin Cook, who probably has like the least amount of change except for the head coach and the OC. And Wes Phillips has said, the new OC in, in Minnesota, said that he is not all about just running the ball. Now, I imagine, and I, I'm going to guess that you're on the same page, that for Cook, who's such a good pass catcher, it won't really, it'll be like a net neutral. Like, he won't probably carry the ball as much, but he'll make up for it in passing volume. But even at the top three, I don't know. That's not nothing. So for me, Jonathan Taylor is the clear number one. He hasn't missed a practice even due to injury back to his high school days. He can catch the ball. I think it's I, I hear you're saying a changing quarterback, but I mean, going away from Wentz is probably not a downgrade. Their offensive line was banged up last year. It should remain one of the better units in the league. So I, I just think Taylor's a slam dunk. Number one pick. If you were in a salary cap draft, uh, spend up for him. And, and then it becomes really down to more personal preference. Two through five, I have the, the Cook, McCaffrey, Henry and Eckler. I could change uh, depending on my mood that morning I mean I really it's 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 very very similar to me there Cook it, touchdown regression w was really weird last year I expect that to bounce back but he's due to miss at least three games every year too and obviously McCaffrey we know his and, and Henry's aging too so there there's certainly uh criticisms for for every pick here the reason I currently have Cook is my number two pick and by the way I don't want to get into the weeds too much but he's not for sure he's not suspended for off-field issues too sure. but the mm -hmm. reason I have him number two is because I love grabbing Madison. That maybe not makes sense in my rankings, but if I really were to do a draft, I would use my own cheat sheet. And I personally think that it's, it, it's the safest route is Cook has similar upside to the McCaffrey, Henry, and Eckler range, but the guy you can get with the safety net, Madison, unlike the other two. So that's just kind of been my theory, and I don't know how much sense that makes. And I do like the coaching staff change in Minnesota. I think they are uh, very easily could win that division, and I think there's going to be 100%. a big upgrade in the coaching upgrades there. So that's, that's why I'm leaning, oh, I have Cook there, but I mean, that's, I mean, Eckler scored 20 touchdowns ever last year, and he's the man. I mean, he's, he's fantastic. But uh, him, 
PPR, obviously a big, uh, 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 helpful for him there because he doesn't want to see more than 200 carries. He doesn't want that even. I mean, he, he does, does not want no, that. No, he but, said it on Eckler's yeah. Edge numerous times. I mean, we've talked about how that is a difference between Austin and Christian McCaffrey because McCaffrey doesn't seem to have the same self-awareness, doesn't seem like he wants to be fed the ball over and over again. And clearly his body can't withstand it, whereas Austin knows his limits and is happy to run routes, you know, and not just yeah. like take the goal line um, opportunities. Uh, but I do think it's interesting if you look at Austin's contract and how young Isaiah Spiller is. He won't turn 21 until August. And so there does seem to be an investment in the future and an understanding of the running back market and how much you can, how much value you can save as a front office on the position. And being tied to Justin Herbert is certainly not a, a mm -hmm. bad thing for, for Eckler. But you know, another interesting thing is this running back is becoming more and more of a, of a younger player's position. But all these guys we're talking about, Cook, McCaffrey, Henry, and Eckler, are all post-25, and some are yeah. 27, 28 years old. So that's why I'm personally going to, after Taylor, I'm, I'm, I'm pivoting to Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and even Cup. Uh, Adam, I'm, I'm, I'm looking more to receivers than I ever have just because of these, these question marks. And um, there are these gigantic tiers of running backs where I'm just going to let the room itself uh, make these decisions. Uh, to me, there's so many similar players. So if you have the third pick in a standard 12 team, half point PPR league, are you going to take Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase ahead of the five spot? Or would you land on, let's say, Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry per your rankings? Yeah, I have Taylor, the clear one. And then I have Cup, Jefferson and Chase next. Yeah. All right. I, I would, that's very that different it. for me too, but yeah. yes, no, I, I, I would go, I would look to the, to the receivers before, uh, before the, those backs. And, um, do you disagree, Liz? No, um, I probably, I don't disagree in theory, but in practice, it will be tough for me. Like if I'm talking transparently and I'm sitting there with the draft, it is something that I will probably write about and recommend because I think it is the safer option. But I also think it's incredibly difficult when you're there and the clock is ticking to not grab Dalvin Cook. Yeah, no, I agree. And I used to be of the jam robust RB strategy big time. But um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm pivoting. And I also like the way it breaks down with uh, the flyers and these running backs 25 to 45 range. Um, but yeah, but it's that's tough. where I it mean, is, though, right? Like that's I feel like it is in that just outside of the top 20 where you can get the Travis ETNs and you can get the J.K. Dobbins and you can yeah, get yeah. Yeah. that like glut of upside players at the position. Now, it'll be interesting again to see if that ADP doesn't rise. But, you know, if I'm I think here's a better question. What if you have the 11th pick? Are you taking a receiver, assuming that Chase and Cup have been selected or are you taking Joe Mixon? And dot, 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 are you taking Joe Mixon ahead of Devontae Adams in 2022? So I have Adams ahead of them right now. I have Adams and Lamb ahead, right ahead of them than Mixon and Chubb uh, running back. So yeah, this really looks like I'm, I'm personally leaning more toward the wide receiver. I do play a lot of PPR. So yes, I understand half PPR is obviously uh, skew this just a tiny bit, but um. But yeah, that's just it's a strategy that I'm I'm decided to employ this year, and um, we'll see. I mean, the, the running backs are the, are the the you get the the workhorse, the guy that gets the goal line, he stays healthy, and he gets the targets. I mean, yeah, obviously the upside's higher than than, than a receiver, but but it's fewer and far in between. And um, to me, that the targets is, is is what I'm is what I'm going after on, on in my first round. 
last thing to clarify, since you are talking, you're being very smart, by the way, to talk about zero RB without saying zero RB and therefore getting <laughs> pinpointed on social media for being a part of the zero RB conversation uh, slash debate. I will ask, though, you mentioned Cook and Madison. Now, I've heard some varying ideas, and I want to know what yours is. I'm happy to offer mine as well. The idea that if you do draft Cook wherever you do, like maybe he falls to you at a later spot, or maybe you have one draft where you're like, screw it, I'm still going to go our robust RB or anchor RB in one of these drafts. So you select Cook. Are you then also going to select Madison, or were you advising that you would pass on Cook grabbing Cup or Chase, and then later, uh, you know, much later in the draft, grab Madison in a zero RB-esque strategy? He works for both. I, I, I think if you grab Cook, I, I do think it's worth it to go ahead and get Madison as well. And uh, So and you're going to spend two there. draft slots on yeah, one player, yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. For sure, for sure. With Matt, Yeah, I think in that case it, it works. Two roster totally, spots, excuse yeah, me. Two, yeah, you're spending no, two yeah, roster right. spots on one player. And then also, if you do go all receivers, really, then Madison, whatever, he makes just as much sense because, uh, yeah, I mean, he could. Uh, it's a great situation. He's the clear backup there. The Vikings, we have a lot of weapons upgrade in the coaching staff. So, and he just takes over whenever uh, Cook inevitably misses his two to four games. So, and even there's a suspension looming there. So, so yes, I, and I have no problem with spending a second roster spot and, 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 and doing the backup there if you do have Cook. And in fact, I know, I, again, I moved Cook slightly higher because Madison exists. And I think that is the, the safe, the safe, I mean, whatever his, his ADP is like in the 115 range or some 120 range Madison. So if he costs you a 10th round, 10th round pick, most 10th round picks are busts anyway. That's a fair point. I, I just don't like the idea. I want to diversify the portfolio as much as possible. I just don't like the idea that I need insurance for a top three selection. I should not need any insurance if I am putting all of my eggs in a basket, you know, like it, it just, it feels, I, I've never liked linking the players that way, I mean, you know, because then this person is just sitting there, but you make a very excellent and astute point about a 10th round pick probably not hitting anyway, so why not leave it as insurance? It's a higher floor play. You said the word safer. I think that's right. I just also think it's a little, it, it bothers me, right? I like, would just, just put it differently. I would, I would rather McCaffrey uh, have a clear back at Foreman sure. clear, other than the fact that I don't know if it's going to be Hubbard or Foreman there. So, so that's just kind of the mainly the point I was going to make. And the fact we've seen Madison really, you know, be a top five fantasy back quite often frequently when he does get that opportunity. So that's just my, my theory there. Along the same lines, but a little bit later, I know that you have been out on Zeke and you were out on Zeke before I believe the consensus was out on him heading into last year. Weren't you down on him? No, I got a lot of Zeke last year. I oh, thought the did? situation okay. was so good. I mean, I, no, no. I, no, I, I, I bought the like best shape of his life nonsense. Charles Robinson was at training camp and was just like, he looks so good. And I was like, okay, I'm in. I did the same thing. But if we're looking at another situation where there could be massive volume and opportunity for point, pass catching points um, and there's a clear cut number two in Tony Pollard, are you employing the same strategy or no, because Zeke is going to go, you know, after the first round. Yeah, it's certainly possible the torn PCL week four was the main only reason for his, uh, even though it's been a couple years, him just looking not like the same. 
Ezekiel Elliott coming off the injuries, 26 years old. Uh, no thanks for me. I'd rather just wait on Pollard and, and get his upside a little okay. bit later. I mean, I, I, to me, they're basically a coin flip. And the fact you can get Pollard a handful of rounds later, he's the, the clear target for me there. Uh, I mean, Elliott, if he's healthy and, and, you know, there's no Cooper, maybe he gets all the targets. I mean, certainly you could see a path to him not even having to be an above average real life running back to have a, whole lot, a lot of fantasy value. But man, I'd rather be a year too soon than a year too late. And with him, the writing is just so on the wall. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm way in on Pollard and totally out on Zeke. Interesting. You have Zeke ranked. Let's see. Um, yeah. If you go off my rankings, you will not have him on your team. He's like my 25th back or something. You have him at, to- at 24 yeah. for yeah. reference. I just want everyone to re- contextualize this. So you are the lowest on him among the Yahoo experts. I have him at 16. Andy has him at 13. You have him at 24. You have Saquon Barkley at 13 and Ezekiel Elliott at 24. I am surprised that you are so much higher on Barkley. You want to talk about that? Yeah, uh, they Elliott's seem similar ECR, to me. His expert consensus ranking is uh, 19 Elliott, so about split the difference between us there. Um, yeah, Barkley's a little bit younger, and we've seen him, you know, be the best fantasy player. Uh, I, I, listen. It, it's health, isn't it? I mean, I, I feel like if Barkley's healthy, he, he has an upside to be, you know, he'd be a first round pick. I don't really see that outcome in Zeke at this stage of his career after he'd looked recently, but I would absolutely have no problem if someone just crossed off Barkley on their cheat sheet and was like, I don't want to deal with that. There's so much injury risk there for a, for a top three round pick or whatever. So I would totally understand that. But to me, Barkley, uh, I, I think his, his upside is, is certainly at a different class than Elliott, but, but maybe I'm off. I think it's not just the health of the player, but the health of the offensive organization. And yeah, I Dave have... all there now. And um, I don't know, some interesting, interesting way back upgrading coaching staff there too. So yeah. Um, There's yeah. certainly oh. been a regime change, but Daniel Jones is still Daniel Jones. And <laughs> after Fair. the draft, I'm a little bit nervous about how many of last year's, I mean, is Kadarius Tony like part of the equation? I, Wandell Robinson was drafted and there's a lot of skill set overlap between those two players. So I think we might be in a transition space. I'm not saying we don't get there. I think this is a finding out year for Daniel Jones. And I'm just, it's hard for me to believe that that, um, that offensive unit can help support Barkley and his efficiency. And also, I mean, like pass catching is kind of where he made his bread bread and butter over the first two years. So how much of that is going to be, I know we're expecting more up-tempo passing opportunities from Dable, but like now that they've added other receivers, how much of that realistically will continue to go Barkley's way? He was targeted more early in his career, you're right. But um, I, I would say best case scenario, if healthy Barkley's going to just dominate all the touches in that New York backfield. I, 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 I like the Dallas offense better, but I think even if Ezekiel Elliott returns healthy, Pollard will still get, will cut into his share big time, mm. 30, 30-40%. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Maybe Elliot bounces back. And, and again, I do like his situation. So uh, maybe I'm being bitter because I, as I said, <laughs> I did buy in last year and um, typically I don't, I don't like, I don't think that's what I'm being here. I, I, running backs in that 26, 27 years old, couple down years, constantly banged up. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm fading Zeke. All right. Alvin Kamara, almost 27 years old. He's not banged up necessarily, but he banged up somebody else might be facing trial. We both have a relatively high on him. I have him 13. You have him 12. Are you just taking a wait and see approach? I feel like I tempered my rank, but I didn't really rank him in a concrete way until I, until there's more concrete evidence or understanding of whether or not he's going to start. We won't know much until August. And so we're kind of in this like middle space waiting. 
Yeah, his expert consensus rank is ninth, so we're a little bit down on him compared to the market. Uh, without Breeze, the targets were down. Um, yeah, it was uncertainty of his availability. Um, he's now on the wrong side of, of the you know the running back prime years. So uh, I would imagine I'm probably not going to come away with too much Camara based on my ranking compared to the market. All right, fair enough. And how much are you weighing the potential suspension? I, I guess a little. I, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do with. I don't know. I wish I had a, a strong take, but I don't know what to do with Cook and, and Watson and Kamara. I, I don't know at all, really. I don't I don't yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't have a strong take other other than I expect Watson to get suspended. and I have no idea what happens you do with the running back. I don't yeah. at all. That's you so don't interesting. No, hmm. not hmm. at all. I think he is going to go scot-free. I don't think there's this much money changed hands in the, this number of press conferences. I think he is completely free. I am back like this is a wide receiver conversation, but I think David Bell is going to be on every single one of my preseason sleeper lists because I expect Watson to start week one. I would be shocked if he is suspended. I do imagine, though, that Alvin Kamara will be suspended because yeah, there's video. he might be starting too. a trial. Yeah. Exactly. There's video evidence, and we know how that changes people's minds. I mean, that's considered harder, if you will, evidence. I'm not saying it should or it shouldn't. I'm just saying the court of public opinion tends to lean one way if there is video evidence than if there is not. And he could be starting a trial in August. To me, that is a like a much different situation, at least in terms of the way that the league is handling it and with that which they are asked to be handling it. If that, I'm trying to be careful with my words here. I'll tell you this, if, if Watson's not suspended at all, David Njoku is going too late in fantasy drafts. So he has the tight end position to himself there. I, I, like, I like him as a sleeper. But um, Kamara, yeah, I, it's just probably not going to end up on many of my fantasy rosters. Okay, let's move along to uh, a guy that a lot of people were... You know what? I'm not going to say a lot of people were split on Javante Williams last year. I'm going to say that Andy and I told everybody that Melvin Gordon wasn't dead and nobody listened. If I got one thing right last year, it was that Javante Williams was not going to be the RB1 in Denver, but that Melvin Gordon was going to frustrate and tilt all of fantasy Twitter by continuing to eat into his workload. Now, I feel like we're having the same conversation as we did last year, except Melvin Gordon is a year older and Williams did flash exceptionally well, particularly the one week in which Gordon was out with, I believe, a hip injury. You have Williams at 15. I have him at 10. So it's almost a reversal of the conversation. Let's start there because I know why I have him at 10. Why do you have him at 15? Uh, just simply because uh, Gordon resigning. I actually had him number two before Gordon resigned. You know, Russell Wilson going there. If he has a backfield to himself, he looked awesome as a rookie. Sure, why not? He'd be right there in the tier with those others. But but now if Gordon's back, it's really tough to... I have him at 15, which seems like I'm way down on him. But I mean, that's still a very, very high. It's just tough to be... Uh, you know, getting 60% of the touches and be better than the players I have ranked above him. But he's really, really good. And Russell Wilson's there now and they have a ton of weapons on offense. So I could see it. His ECR is 10, by the way. So I'm the one who's down. He's right, right in line with you. I think you're right, though. I think I probably should have him ranked lower, but I cheated a little bit. And I ranked both Gordon and Williams at their ceiling ranks. So it depends if Gordon stays healthy over the preseason, if we see something shift a little bit. I have Gordon at 30 and you have him at 40. So yeah, I, move I ranked, I'll, I cheated on this one. And sometimes we do this in our rankings, right? We're like, well, this player, I'm going to rank them both at their ceilings instead of probably splitting the difference, which is what I should do. Like I probably Melvin Gordon should be 
sub 35 and William should be for me around like 13, 14 in that range. Um, I still would be a little bit higher than 15 on him. Um, cause I, like I would prefer to have Javante Williams than Alvin Kamara, right. And Kamara's in that same 11 to 14, totally. depending on which one. Of yeah. Us and you want him at. over Barkley, obviously too. Barkley yeah. would be another one, right? Barkley, obviously. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent for me. Yeah. Hey, what about Cam Akers? That's a tough one. I know. Yeah. It's almost like I'm down on him because he returned last, you know, he did not, he did not impress returning from, from, from the Achilles, but man, if he's the Rams feature back, he could be a first round pick. So I have him right there, right, right ahead of him at 14. But I mean, I have him at 15. I mean, he's still, he's in that middle space. So I guess this though, is to your point of why, if you have questions about Cam Akers, but you also have questions about Derrick Henry, I'm sure you have fewer questions about Jamar Chase. So so if you're looking at like the Rams RB1 and the Titans RB1, but you're also looking at Cooper Cup or Jamar Chase or any of those other receivers that we discussed, like I don't mind fading a Christian McCaffrey or a Derrick Henry and then maybe on the way back getting Cam Akers. If there are going to be question marks, solve the problem with a player that doesn't have as many of them in the first round. I mean, I love Derrick Henry, but 28 years old coming off that injury and, you know, now his career workload is creeping up. I mean, that that is not the safest top five overall pick, especially in a PPR league. So, um, yeah, there's so many question marks. That's why I just come back, come back to receivers. I mean, Devontae Adams indoors now with the numbers he put up with Derek Carr. Um, yeah, you'd rather him be uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers throwing to him. But I'm 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 becoming more and more comfortable with with Adams as a as a late first even you know no problem there and the C D Lamb without Cooper I mean I'm probably gonna really come away with receivers if I don't get Jonathan Taylor I think C D Lamb is a, he was almost my we wrote a group piece like which vet are you most excited to draft and C D Lamb was one of my options I decided not to write it because it's like. I'm excited to draft C D Lamb every year I think the more interesting I ended up deciding to write about Derek Carr for you know, what you're saying about Devontae Adams. And Carr was, I know this was not a quarterback show, but Carr was awesome. He was a QB5 in total passing yards and deep passing attempts last year. 7.7 YPA. And and he did all that without Henry Ruggs or Darren Waller for seven games. He absolutely crushed. Now he gets his Fresno State buddy plus Waller back to health. I am stacking the Raiders everywhere. And if it blows up in my face, then like, fine, I had a fun time. And he had to deal with that John Gruden mess midseason. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned the Rugs one. And, oh, they're going to be having to score a few points in that division. In that division. Facing the Chiefs and Broncos and Chargers. Yeah, they're going to be just shootout after shootout. So, for sure, I'm in on car, too. All right. So, to that end, Josh Jacobs. I know he has yeah. perennially uh, underwhelmed or disappointed, whether it be injury. He, like, gutted through some stuff at the top of his career. Um, in Vegas, it was about whether or not he'd be used as a pass catcher enough. I, I have a, I can't quit him. I, I know that you have him at 27. I have him at 18. It's not that I don't believe where he should land. It's that I feel like he is unfairly downgraded on the regular, largely because he like tilted a bunch of people on his Instagram that one time. I'm I'm too too low on him. I'm going to move him up uh, uh, back closer to his ECR around 20, like you have him, because I think my original instinct was uh, Vegas uh, declined his fifth year option. They drafted Zamir White. Clearly, the writing's on the wall. He's out of there. He's always banged up. Um, but I underrated the amount of targets he, he saw last season, and he's still a, a, a career high at 64, 54 receptions in 15 games. 
and he's a touchdown guy. So, and we just said how much we like the Raiders uh, scoring a lot of points this year. So I'm probably a little bit too down on Jacobs and I should, should move him up to closer where you have him. All right. Well, that, that felt nice. <laughs> what about Aaron Jones? You're also, I mean, talk about question marks. So Aaron Jones, you have him at 17. I have him at 12. I don't feel comfortable having him at 12. I also have AJ Dillon at 26 and you have AJ Dillon at 21. I'm assuming that you are lower on Jones because you are higher on Dillon. I, I really like Aaron Jones this year without uh, Adams. I mean, the splits on off with him on the field are, are dramatic. Aaron Jones is going to have a ton of targets this year. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going to trust his running backs are probably going to be his two favorite targets. Uh, so, so then why I, the decrease just, compared to the consensus? Oh, just because I, I mean, because I like apparently I just like Elijah Mitchell and Javante. I mean, maybe who is it? Cam Akers. I like those guys slightly more than you. It's it's just the same tier thing. This is this nitpicking. I'm I'm in on Aaron Jones is in that same exact tier. He's going to receive a ton of targets without Devonte Adams. So I'm really not going to push back, even though I have him, you know, a handful of spots lower than you. To me, it's the same tier. Fair enough. And I can't be a Yahoo Fantasy Football forecast podcast episode without Dalton Del Don dropping a split stat. It's one of my favorites that you do. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to make fun of me for saying Elijah Mitchell too high, but uh, being calling me a homer uh, there. But having I let but, it go. Yeah. You got a picture. Okay. You have a portrait, a painted oil painting or something of Trey Lance over your shoulder. I mean, I, I think we all know by now. I did unveil a new Trey Lance uh, uh, art, artwork behind me. So yes, it, it is true. Guilty as charged. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mentioned Kenneth Walker at the top of the episode. I think I know your take on the Penny Walker debate, but if someone missed an earlier episode, you have Penny at 23, I have him at 31. So maybe we, maybe I don't know your answer to this question. Kenneth Walker at 36 for you, I have him at 32. Do you think Penny, are you, are you think he's going to ride the momentum from the end of last year into this one and you're not at all worried about Walker taking over or Penny staying healthy? He's the man for you? This is when rankings are tough. Uh, I would say that Penny is going to finish as either like a top five fantasy back this year or the 55th back. I mean, he's it's all about health with him. I mean, he even beat Jonathan Taylor in rush yards over expectation. The final six weeks, he was uh, number one in fantasy points over expectation. I mean, he's so efficient. He's really, really good. And as, normally I'm all about the, 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 the young guy, the, the rookie. But Pete Carroll is, is all about his vets. Uh, I do not. I mean, it's possible Chris Carson reenters the picture, but I'm, I'm assuming that he's not going to play given their actions in the draft. Um, but I mean, if if Penny can with, withhold durability, he's going to be the lead back clear there and they're going to run it a ton. And they're, they're not going to their their upside is, is lowered without Russell Wilson there. They're, they're not going to be in the in the red zone as often. They're not going to score as many points and all that stuff. But still, Penny was so, so good when on the field last year. I think he'll be the guy as long as his health allows, but it might be nothing. It might only be a half of football. I mean, it's, it's not just a little bit of injury history. It's a dramatic injury history. So Walker has a bunch of upside. Should Penny go down right away? And then suddenly Walker has the backfield all, all to himself and Carroll loves to establish the run. So, I mean, yeah. So I don't really feel convicted in my argument here other than I think Penny's going to get the first opportunity and Carroll really, really sticks to his veterans. I think that's a fair estimation I definitely again I cheated I have Penny at 31 and Walker at 32 so I'm waiting to see what beat writers write about training camp and what the health I mean for all we know Penny could like hurt something first week of August and now we're looking at and I, I do agree with you I think you said this on a previous episode that the drafting of Walker is an indictment on Chris Carson's health moving forward yeah, I wouldn't be counting on him, him unfortunately. It yeah. sounds like it's a big mystery even to the to the coaching staff right now. So they're not counting on him. James Conner, you have inside the top 10. I have him just outside of the top 20. Why are you high on him? 
But with no Chase Edmonds, I mean, the, the guy did score 18, was it 18 touchdowns in 15 games last year? And now they, they lost Chase Edmonds and no Hopkins for six games. So he's going to be like the huge, he's going to be looking at a heavy workload. However, admittedly, whenever I do buy into him, he, he, he does tend to get injured. I mean, he is an injury prone guy in his history. Um, he, but, you know, he's, just, he's a goal line back. He can get the targets. Kyler Murray, um, maybe he stays healthy the whole season. So um, what is durability the concern or what? I mean, there's no Chase Edmonds there. I mean, he's only going to get look at more work. And he scored, again, 18 touchdowns in 15 games last year. Well, I think workload is going to be an issue, right? Like, can he withstand? Like, it's great that you want to, that not you personally, but the teams want to give, you know, Christian McCaffrey or James Conner like 30 touches a game, but can their bodies withstand that kind of workload? Are they going to break down earlier in the season? We also have the extra week. We saw the amount of injuries that that extra week of play brought to last year. And COVID was a whole nother piece of it that we would, won't have to deal with it, I don't think, this year. But I also feel like for both, Penny and Walker and James Connor, like, and you say this all the time, like YPC is a no noisy stat, but I'm also like worried about how horribly inefficient Connor is going to be when you don't have Newt Hopkins stretching the field. And there's sure Marquise Brown and Kyler both went to Oklahoma and there's a connection, but Marquise Brown is not a number one wide receiver. I think, I think that we all have discovered that by now and there isn't any Christian Kirk and I'm not saying that Christian Kirk, he certainly, I mean, the money he commanded, I don't think <laughs> was reflective of his value, at least to the Cardinals. But I also feel like what kind of efficiency are we going to see here? Is it all just going to be if it's a if it's a volume play, it's a volume play. But I don't think it's going to be a particularly exciting number of like we're we're counting on carries, not yards here. It's fair. He's twenty seven years old again. A long injury history. He's never played more than fifteen games in a season or got more than two hundred fifteen carries in a season. So uh, th those are but all fair arguments. But why over under four point three on the season? Oh yeah, what's his career? Four point two. So yeah, I'll say under. I'll say under. Yeah, yeah on that division. Yeah. yeah. So that's that I think that's it. It just doesn't feel like there's going to be many home run hits, but also, which is why I wouldn't draft him number eight overall. But in that, like we talked about earlier, chunk of 20, just 20 to 25. Okay. Like that, then I'll take him there because I'm not looking for flash as much as I am in the top 12, I guess. Fair. All right. Let's, uh, let's end things with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Producer John has written a very interesting note, which I will reveal to you in this outline if you didn't see it, um, your rank of him at 37. Um, it's explained by the fact that Dalton just can't quit. Ronald Jones uh, cannot quit him. Yes, that 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 is uh, true. He's now on the, the Chiefs, and he's going to be their new big back, and uh, he's going to take uh, the touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire lost passing down work to Daryl Williams. I mean, he was impressive at LSU as a receiving back, but, and he does he lost to the goal line. Um, uh, I believe that uh, Derek Gore and Daryl Williams combined for 10 touchdowns last year. And I believe that's going to be uh, Ronald Jones's role. And um, yeah, he's going to, you know, certainly more helpful in non PPR leagues, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm out on, on CEH. Um, I, I was drafting him too high uh, as a rookie and he has just failed to, to impress at, at the, at the pro level. So you can't quit Ronald Jones and I can't quit CEH, but luckily for both of us, Andy Reid doesn't quit any running back that fumbles at the goal line. So we're <laughs> both going to be safe. 
Yeah. Can we talk about Fournette real quick? You said this is oh, the last sure. one, but man, I have Uncle Lenny uh, apparently a lot higher than you. And I know it's crazy because, hey, I was a Ronald Jones guy last year. So um, I am uh, definitely was not feeling this uh, entering last season. But man, I mean, Tom Brady is back. Chris Godwin, who knows how healthy he'll be right away. And Fournette led the NFL in high value touches last year. That's any catch or, or carry inside the 10. 6.7 per game. Christian McCaffrey was the only other player who got six high-value touches per game last year. I mean, it's pretty pretty remarkable. I mean, Brady just dumps it off, even if it's not third down. So as Brady's goal line back and, and, and third down back, I like Rashad White, the rookie, as much as the next guy. But man, I mean, I just think Fournette saw his fantasy value rise as much as anyone during the offseason once Brady returned and, um, you know, Ronald Jones left uh, and uh, not much else there outside of the rookie. So tell me why I'm too high on Uncle Lenny. Well, you have him RB6, right? So you have him ahead of Joe Mixon. You have him ahead of Najee Harris. I think that's pretty bold. I have him at RB11. So he's still inside my top 12. I think I am a little bit worried. I mean, people are ranking Chris Godwin like he didn't tear his ACL. Totally. Yes. That is bananas. I know. So I'm worried about Chris Godwin and the efficiency of that offense as a whole. And I'm also, you know, Tom Brady retired and came back. But in that time of him retiring, so did Ali Marpet. And they lost Kappa, the other offensive lineman, to Cincinnati. So how efficient is that line going to be? And it's not like Uncle Lenny is uh, a, a, a spring chicken. No. And I think he <laughs> might need, uh, might might do some blocking there once in a while as well. I know he's 27 too. So yeah, I, I, I hear you. It's definitely, it's odd, but man, looking at that situation and you know, Brady remained pretty uh, productive last season. So uh, that's that's where I landed. But I certainly am aware that it's uh, it's a bit of a stretch to say over, you know, a young guy like Najee Harris, who got so many touches last year. But I just like the situation in Tampa Bay so much more. And again, easily pacing the league in high value touches last season. And I see no reason why that would change. But um, but it again, it's Leonard Fournette, 27 years old. And yeah, maybe that's maybe that's a little too aggressive. Well, it always comes back to Tampa Bay. And that's the place we're going to end this week's episode. You can follow me on Twitter at Liz Loza underscore FF. Follow Dalton at Dalton Del Don. And while you're there, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. Andy and Scott will be back later with their wide receiver ranking. So you guys ask them where they have Chris Godwin, because if he is not outside of the top 40, I don't understand it. Until then, we're out. 